Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Turn to the, before the Lord. Um, I'm starting a new series called It's Time, but I really believe that this series is going to start really next week because uh, I have a, a, a prophetic word that can fit with this. And the reason I, I, I entitled it It's Time, or It's About Time, or yeah, It's About Time, is because... Uh, out of, it's a, it's a series that I'm going to be doing and starting on the necessity of growth, continual growth, character development, come on, amen, integrity, because the greatest thing that the Lord could do is grow you in your character. Can I hear an amen? But before I even do that, I felt led from the Lord to talk about something this morning that in a sense has to do with growth, but in a sense has to do with where you're at in your humanity and that it's okay that you're messed up, broken, confused, and, and all filled with weakness that God can still use this type of person. Can I hear an amen? Now, he doesn't want you to stay that way, but I felt led from the Lord and I wrestled with this. On Wednesday, God changed my whole message, so I stayed up to like late last night developing the, a, a new message for this morning. So let's go to second, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, if you have your tablets, if you have your phone, make sure you're following with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. And I want you guys to get excited about the Word of God. Can I hear an amen? The Word of God is the one that changes you. And so I want you to get uh, the Word of God out. Let's get our Bibles out. Uh, I know some of our spiritual family is not here, but let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, speak to everyone listening. Let your Word come with fire. Let it come forth with clarity and encourage our community this morning that where they're at, although you, they are striving to get better, that, Father, you still are not disqualifying them in their pursuit of you, in their all their humanity's weakness. I pray that you would release a word of encouragement that they are qualified for your purposes. And everyone said, Amen. First Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 26. Let's go before the Lord there. If you're there, say amen. Are you ready? For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise. I feel like having, I was having church by myself this uh, yesterday. I was like, man, that's good. I was like, I'm preaching to myself. Brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh. I want you to hear me with a prophetic edge here. Not many mighty, not many noble are called. I should have said an amen right there. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. And God, God, that's right, God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the, ba the base things of the world and the things which are, dis watch this, the things which are despised, God has chosen. The things that are despised in society, that are worthless as far as your skill level or your, your character level. God has chosen. What? Look. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh shall glory in his presence. Can I hear an amen? Now I'm going to go to probably 12.10, 12.15 uh, today, but I want you to listen to me because I have a prophetic word as I start this series from another angle uh, because the rest of the weeks are going to be more focused on intentional growth that God wants and expects from us. But today I want you to know that God is clear in His Word. 
listen, and I give you permission to get excited, that the people that he uses and calls powerfully are not those who have it technically all together. The people that he calls into his leadership in his kingdom in the marketplace are not those that that society would choose and it's not those that people would choose. Most of the time, nine times out of ten, the people that God chooses in government or God chooses in uh, the marketplace or God chooses in a leadership position, even in church, are not the ones that humanity would choose with all their logical resources. Say amen. Usually, it's a sign and a wonder when when God starts lifting people up that have glaring weaknesses because all of us have glaring weaknesses. And the the thing that's encouraging is is that the, the Lord chooses the unqualified for His purposes so that no flesh could glory in His presence. I say that because, in a sense, God specializes in taking people who are messed up who are dysfunctional, who don't have it all together. Come on, say amen. So you got to hear this because you think that because you don't have it all together and you're, you're not perfect in all your ways and you're, and you're still a little uh, weak and, and some, sometimes those weaknesses come out for everyone to see that you become disqualified from the call and the purpose of God in your life. But God says, not many that are wise are called. God has chosen the weak things of the world. Come on, church. To confound, confound, that means, that means like it's not even in their, in their brain to understand naturally. He calls those who can't speak right. Those, listen, that, that don't have all the scriptures ready. Though the really average person, that's who God calls. The day of superstar Christianity is over. God is not calling perfect people. He's calling surrendered people. And if you're a human being in this room, you are all qualified. You're sorry, you're all unqualified in the natural standards, but you're all qualified for God to use. Because the excuse is, now does that mean you don't get better? Does that mean you don't take the class? Does that mean you don't get trained? Of course not. You grow from glory to glory. But God chooses the weak things of the world to confound the wise. Stop putting your calling on pause because you're looking at your humanity. Stop looking at your progression as something that God cannot use because every now and then you have a glaring glitch that shows with everybody else. But God sees things differently than you do. Glory to God. The Lord specializes in taking nobodies and elevating them into positions of prominence and favor. Can I just be real honest? Just look at me. God's taking nobodies, and I'm not demeaning myself, God is taking nobodies and saying and, and putting them in positions of prominence and favor. That does not mean that does not mean that they that we or you in positions of prominence or favor that God does not want to grow you. Yes. But in our weakness, God is not disqualifying you. So you shouldn't disqualify yourself and you shouldn't disqualify others in that position either. Can I hear an amen? Today I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna take you on a journey. Of, of naming several Bible characters that did great exploits that had glaring weaknesses. Oh, come on, somebody. That had glaring weaknesses. I'm going to show you, not just because it's my, uh, my uh, a good message. I'm going to take you through Scripture and name some biblical characters that we all know did great things. And, they, and God used very normal, sometimes very erratic 
people for his glory. Let's look at Moses for a second. Moses came on the scene and check out Moses' weakness. Let's check out Moses' um, glaring problem. We only read how what Moses did, and we see it in movies in the Ten Commandments, and we see him getting the Ten Commandments. But Moses had a problem. He had a glitch. He had a weakness that everyone saw for years. You know what that was? He had a stuttering problem. And he was slow to speak. Think about this insanity. God is going to choose someone to speak to Pharaoh who he knows has a stuttering problem. It doesn't make sense in the natural. Because who God uses, and I'm, I'm not going to go, I'm, I'm not going to uh, let the cat out of the bag yet, but there's, uh, in, in the middle of my message, I'm going to show you what he sees in us. And why he chooses what we don't choose. Thank God that you're not God and that I'm not God. Because I would not choose the disciples that Jesus chose. I, the disciples were, were people that were carnal and fleshly and they were fishermen and they were competing against each other and they were cursing like sailors. But God says, I want to meet with them because I'm going to transform them because I see something deeper than what the society sees. Come on. Moses had a starting problem. Watch this. Not only did he have a starting problem, he doubted what God said about himself. He had self-hatred. He's like, Lord, do you realize, it's funny how we talk to God like he doesn't know, right? Do you realize you're telling me to talk to Pharaoh? Do you, you know I can't speak right? And you know what God says? Who made the mouth? Who made the tongue? I will be with you in your weakness because I see something in you and I place my hand upon you and nobody could stop the call of God even in your stuttering problem, even when you're doubting yourself. You're going to go before the king, the pharaoh, and watch this. In his weakness in stuttering, in his weakness in doubting himself, God still says, it's okay, come over here because I'm going to use you to not deliver a few people, not even 5,000 people, an entire nation out of slavery. An entire nation. And guess what? He also was a murderer. He killed some Egyptian that was, that was uh, having a fight with, with a, a, I mean, sorry, beating down a Hebrew man. He killed him. And God says, I'm going to choose something because I see something in him. And even Moses, when he, uh, I'm going to get deep now. This is not even in my notes, but it's coming to me. It's just coming to me right now. Moses married an Ethiopian woman. Don't tell me that God can't use interracial marriage. That's the lie of the pit of the devil. Moses married an Ethiopian woman and his, watch this, brothers and sisters were talking behind his back. There's a lot of people that talk behind people's back, leaders' back, because they see flaws in them or they, they, they don't agree with something. And you got to be careful not to let your venting turn into gossip. And so they started gossiping about the leader. And Miriam and, and his brother, and, they, and they, they got leprosy. And the Lord, and then Moses had to say, come on, Lord, it's okay. Don't, don't go that deep. And then heal, heal the leprosy. But here's what happened. Moses was in a leadership position, and he was constantly being criticized by his leadership. He was constantly being criticized by his own brothers and sisters, yet God chose him. We got to have eyes of the Lord, not eyes of the flesh. Can I hear an amen? Because you are in that same boat. God wants to use you in all of your crankiness, in all of your messed up ways. God wants to reveal himself to you. Moses was a stutterer, yet God, he delivered an entire nation out of bondage. 
Look at Noah. Let's look at Noah. Noah, are you ready for Noah? Some of you guys don't know this because you just see, we only, you know, let, let me just pause and say, I feel this from the Lord. When it comes to people in positions of leadership or in, in the marketplace where you're at, people only see qualities that are good in people, and, and that's good. Uh, but you don't realize that if you're not careful, you may see something that you don't like in someone and disqualify them, and they may be the person that will take your business to the next level. They may be the person that God's cho chosen to take a church to another place. But I, I may pause and say this. God doesn't need your permission for him to qualify somebody. He doesn't need your permission and all of our, our knowledge to qualify you in this room. He doesn't need other people to say, you know what, he's got it all together or she's got it all together. Let's use him. Because nine times out of ten, God probably won't use that person. I'm not saying he won't use him. Let me, let me backtrack. He's not going to agree with just natural standards. Now, what, what problem did Noah have? He had a drinking problem. Noah, the Bible says, got drunk and he got so wasted. Come on, we're going to have a little church in here. He got so wasted in his drunkenness, this is the man of God, Noah, that the Bible says he lay naked in his tent, uncovered. See, what, read the Bible. He was uncovered, and one of his sons exposed him, and two of his sons looked at his nakedness and did not look at him and walked backwards with a blanket type of instrument and, and covered him. Yet God looked at that man, and he looked at Noah's purpose, and he says, I'm still going to create in him the ability to use him, watch this, to build an edifice and a structure, watch this, this is going to help you, that he is so big that was able to fit all of the animals, all the little bugs, all the insects, all the creatures of the world by pairs into one structure that he was going to build. And here's the good news, he never built an ark before. Sometimes you're disqualifying yourself because you said, I've never done this before. I, I've never built an ark before. I've never uh, been in leadership before. I've never been in this marketplace position before. God had the audacity to say, Noah, build an ark for me. Now, he didn't pull up, he didn't pull from his architectural records in the past and say, oh, I've done that before. I got you, God. This is easy. God, you know what I find? God sometimes will tell you to do things that you don't have experience for. That doesn't mean he's not, you're not qualified for that. It means he knows that he's going to give you the strength to do it. Obedience is the key when you don't understand. But my point is you and I should not disqualify ourselves because we are lack of experience or because we lack knowledge. The Lord's choice is his choice. Look at Noah. He, he, he went there, but he saw fit to, to use Noah that had a drinking problem at one time, and he was naked, and God still used him. Now, here's the key. They were all repentive before the Lord. They were all repentive before the Lord, and God will use a repentive heart and even an unqualified in the natural to use him and reveal himself for his purpose. Can I say Amen. All of you in this room are qualified in God's eyes, in, even in your humanity. There are areas that you need to grow in. How about Jonah? Let's look at Jonah. Jonah was a, per, a, a, a preacher, a, a preacher of the gospel, of the, the good news of the word. Yet, Jonah had an anger problem. <laughs> And you say, how he's angry? Because he got angry when the call of God said, preach to a rebellious city called Nineveh. 
You hear me? Got quiet up in here. He did not want, so you know what? So he backslid. This preacher started backsliding. He goes, I will not preach your message to that rebellious city because they deserve judgment. He did that. He told that to God. He goes, I'm not going to do it. So he, he, battled, he battled this anger that he had towards, towards, towards these people. And then he got on a boat. He actually paid the fare to go the opposite direction. You know, sometimes we don't even know that we're actually on purpose going the opposite direction. And God is still merciful to us. God is still merciful to us. Even in our, you know what? No, I'm going to go. For, I'm just going to escape. You can't escape. So you know what happens? God used. He finally, I mean, he was, I said this before, but he, he got swallowed by a whale, right? If that was me and, and that was you, that was a t- typical person in this room, the first moment that the whale went, ah, would have been like, I repent, okay. He waited three days and he finally, then all the, the juices of the, of the stomach, he's like, fine, Lord, fine, fine, I repent. Brother, on the first day, I would have been fine. I get the idea. Jonah was so hard-headed that he's like, nope, I'm not going to repent. And he's in the inside of the mouth of the whale the first day. He's like, nope, nope, nope not going to do it, not going to do it, I ain't going to preach. Second day, nope, he's going to have to swallow me because I ain't going to do nothing. He's going to, I ain't going to preach. Finally, the third day, he's like, he's about to literally get in the stomach. Fine, God. The Bible says he was there three days. Then he cried out. God used this man who was a backslidden preacher to preach a message of repentance to a city that wanted nothing to do with God. And watch this. In his mind, this is how I like to say it. In his mind, he probably just said a quick little, fine, I'm, you know what, I'm going to go. I'm go. You know what, you guys, you need to repent because you're not right with God. And I really don't want to be here. But you know what, God sent me here. And I'm not saying he's saying that, but I'm just imagining. And, and, and you, you guys, you just need to repent. You're, you're, you're just rebellious and you, you need judgment. But God has given you mercy. Go ahead and repent. In my mind, he's thinking, good, I did my job. I'm out. And they got cut to the heart. He's like, I can imagine Jonah saying, gosh, it actually worked. The whole city came to the Lord. A backslidden preacher with all his flaws, God used, and he knew, by the way, all these flaws that I'm talking about were, were, were after mostly, mostly after they were walking with the Lord. You're not saying anything this morning to me. Jonah was, u- was used by God to tell a backslidden nation and a rebellious nation that their need for Jesus. Don't tell me for one second that God can't use you in your humanity. Can I hear an amen? Not many that are wise are called. Not many, not, not many that are famous. Not many that are noble. God chooses the weak things of the world to put to shame to those who are wise. How about this next one? Oh, I love this dude right here. How about Peter? Let's talk about Peter for a second. Peter... Well, let's see, look at all these people who had glaring weaknesses. Do you see me? Peter was rambunctious and spontaneous. He just said whatever he wants. How many just say what you want sometimes? You get in trouble. <laughs> You're like, ah, oh, no, no, come back. And he was just spontaneous, and he put his shoe in his mouth all the time. He would say things. He'd be like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. There's sometimes that happens to all of us. We say things, and we don't mean it. Listen, Peter was rambunctious. He was spontaneous. And he had problems keeping his word. Those are, those are pretty good, bad glitches for God to use someone like that. But God is not you. Glory to God. Listen, God, those are pretty bad problems. Number one, spontaneous, very rambunctious, and doesn't keep his word. He's like, Jesus, 
you and I are like this. I will never, ever, ever, ever deny you. I got you. You're day one, me and you. Verily, verily, I say unto you that before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. That's not like all these jokers going to deny you, not me. Spontaneous. Sure enough, three times. I don't know him. Don't you, aren't you with him? Nope, not me. That was another guy. It was like my twin brother. That was me. He looked like me. Was that me? Do you see the weakness in humanity of these leaders? Hello, I have a newsflash for you. It did not catch God by surprise. I have news for you. God didn't say, what is wrong with Peter, angel Gabriel? Didn't you know that I'm making him in his image? He's like, I know, I know. He is rambunctious, and he put his foot in his mouth, but I see something in him that humanity doesn't see. I see the desire in him to pursue me. And I put a gift inside of him that no other human being could take credit for. And in time, he will make the adjustments. He'll suffer a little bit, but his purpose will be fulfilled. I feel the Holy Spirit here. Peter was a person that after he did all these things, he preached in the book of Acts gut-wrenching messages to the religious, that, that's harder, to the religious leaders of the time. To the religious uh, 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 people of Israel, the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees, and the Bible says they got cut to the heart because of his preaching. Not only that, Peter went on to operate in unusual signs and wonders and miracles. This same Peter who was rambunctious, this same Peter who was impatient, this same Peter who promised God who do stuff and never did anything. How many can relate to Peter? The rest of you need repentance after that. Amen. Peter was used by God. Now watch this. Here's, a, here's another one that I'm going to go a little deeper in. There's a woman. Now please, now we're at church, but I'm going, to, I'm going to say how the Bible says it, okay? So don't get mad at me. Don't get upset with me. There's a woman named Rahab in the Old Testament. And you know, watch this. I'm going to make you shout for a second. Because Rahab, the Bible calls her a harlot. In modern day terms, that's a prostitute. Rahab was a prostitute in, in Jericho. And in that land, hear me down, listen, 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 get your religious ears off and stop being offended for a second. She was a harlot. That means that, means that was what she did for her business. And yet when the spies came out to Jericho, God's spies, to destroy that land, that land where she was in, she recognized the hand of the Lord on these servants. And she heard that the, the, the Lord had, what had he did to Egypt. And so he, she took these spies that were going to destroy her city and hid them. She hid them, and when people came knocking on her door and said, Hey, the people of Jericho, hey, did these, did these guys come here? Yeah, they did, but the gate was open, and then it just left. And I don't know where they went, but they were hiding upstairs. Watch this now. Watch this. When judgment came... And the people of Israel came like an army after they ran around Jericho and the walls came down. Everyone was killed except Rahab. Because there was a promise given to that destitute harlot woman because she feared God from a distance. Oh, 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 oh that's, not even, that's not even the good news. Do you want to know the great news about Rahab? That in all her wreckedness, in all her rebellion, she came from a pagan nation of Canaan. Do you know that she practiced pagan worship all that time? 
But because she feared the Lord and did God's servant good, she later repented and she later became part of the culture of Israel. And she became that harlot, okay, the genealogy and lineage by where the Messiah would come through. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? Are you kidding me that the blameless son of God chose to come through a bloodline all the way from Genesis and it included Rahab? You don't. Okay, watch Matthew chapter one. These are these are like the the, the boring scriptures that you think are boring. The genealogy and he begot this, he begot that, he begot this. Basically, this person gave birth to this person. This person gave birth to this person. Look at Matthew chapter one, just so you see that God chooses the weak things of the world to confound the wise. You know, if we get this revelation, we will stop judging people. We will stop judging each other. We will stop judging our friends. We will stop judging our coworkers. We will stop judging our leaders. Because you know there's a greater person. Listen, trust that the Holy Spirit is greater than you. I'm going to say that again. Trust that the Holy Spirit is greater than you and I. Do you think if you see something in another person, don't you think the Holy Spirit is greater than you and he will convict that person in time? But his time is not your time. Let the whole, your job is to pray for them bless them. Just let the Holy Spirit do it. But don't disqualify them either because you see a glaring weakness in them. Come on, preach somebody. Don't disqualify. Don't disqualify me because you see something that you don't like. Don't disqualify yourself because other people see something that they don't like. God is the one who calls, and God is the one who will change. If he calls you, he'll make sure you go through some things to get repentive in your life. Some people are harder than others. Some people take longer than others, but you will get there. Look at, you, look at this. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Hello, who am I talking about here? Come on, you can say amen. I can feel the fire of God in me, so you need to... <laughs> The book of the genealogy, look at this, of Jesus Christ, the son of David. So in other words, this is a, a picture of the bloodline that started to produce Jesus. Hello? The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. We're going to go through verse 6, and then we're going to jump to verse 15. Uh, uh, Jacob begot Judah. And his brothers. See, most people don't even read this because they just, they're just like, ah, oh, this is boring. But listen, Judah begot Perez. How many Perez we got in the house? See, there's a Spanish person in the house. Glory to God. There's Spanish people in the scripture. Glory to God. <laughs> by the way, Perez means breakthrough. Little, little, little side note. means breakthrough. And Zerah by Tamar. Man, this is good stuff. Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram. Ram can you imagine t t talking to your son, Ram? Ram, come over here, Ram. Ramsito. Ram begot, watch this, <laughs> Abinadab. Abinadab begot Nashan, and Nashan begot Salmon. Now, that sounds boring, but just follow me, follow me, follow me. Watch this. Salmon begot Boaz. Yes, that Boaz. Yes, that Boaz. Are you ready? By who? Boaz was the son of a prostitute. Boaz by Rahab, Boaz begot Obed by Ruth, because Boaz married Ruth and produced Obed, and Obed begot Jesse, are you, see, are you seeing this? And Jesse begot David the king. Do you see this bloodline? Do you see this bloodline? You see in this holy bloodline, there's a glitch, major glitches in the middle of it. David the king begot Solomon, 
by her who had been the wife of Uriah. Skip to verse 15. Are you ready for this? All these other begots happened. And verse 15 says, Iliad begot Eliezer. Eliezer begot Nathan. Nathan begot Jacob. Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So the bloodline and the lineage and the genealogy by which the Son of God, a holy, blameless Messiah, came through defected people's bloodline to produce the holy Son of God coming from heaven. Come on. It doesn't get any better than being in the lineage and the genealogy with all your mess-ups that will eventually produce down the future the lineage and the bloodline which the Son of God will come through. I bet you didn't know that Boaz, that, Boaz that, that pure man of God, that Mary Ruth, came out of the product of weakness. See, we only as a church see the finished line, the finished product. We see the muscles, but we don't see the years they had to abstain from all this sugar and all this fat and go to the gym five times a week. We just want instant success without realizing that we got to go through some stuff. But God, guys, I want to just shout at you. If God saw it fit to bring his holy son through the lineage that included Rahab, there is no excuse for you. I said there is no excuse for you. We get this revelation, we will, uh, we will, here's what happens when we get this revelation. We'll stop doubting ourselves and we'll start doubting, we'll stop doubting uh, others. We'll stop being overly critical because of their weakness. Hey, hey, listen, we all are in this club together. Unless you're a robot or unless you're in here, you're all part of Club Unqualified. Can I hear an amen? We need to take your attention off of how you view ourselves, and how other people view you because attention creates access. I posted something, there's not too often that I quote myself. But I, I quoted something on Facebook about, I think on Wednesday, that I felt stirred from the Lord after I watched a, a video uh, from Stephen Furtick that I felt the Lord expanded some things. And if you don't mind, I'm just going to read that to encourage you. Are you getting something this morning? I want to read what I wrote on Facebook. Some of you have, uh, and uh, the only reason I share it is because, and I'm looking down and reading because I don't, I don't want to miss what I said, what I felt inspired from the Lord. So I, I entitled it, Attention Creates Access. Say that with me. Attention creates access. Say it again. Attention creates access. In other words, whatever you are putting your attention to, whether good or bad, creates access to your heart and mind. Whatever you're paying attention to right now in your life, the more that you pay attention to that, the more access that has come. If you, if you pay attention a lot more to the Word of God and to, and to worship and to positive Christian counsel more than you do backbiting and, 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 and gossip, then you will have more of a tendency to have access of this part than more of this part. Now, now watch. This is what I wrote. There are things that we occasionally give our attention to that fuel negative emotions in our lives. If you were to take your attention off of hurtful memories, what other people may think about you, if someone agrees with you or not, trying to get someone else's approval for your life, you will walk in much greater freedom. I have learned, and this is so true in my life, I have learned in my life and in my ministry that no matter how hard I try, and believe me, I try hard, 
I will never, ever be able to please everyone. Do you know that that's the truth? No matter how hard you try, you, people will want to do things differently than you. You will, not, you will not flow in the same type of flow that even your husband flows in, even your wife flows in, because God created you differently. So I said, I will never be able to please everyone. Other people in business, other people in ministry will do things differently than you or than me. And I've learned that I can't get caught up trying to do what everybody is wanting me to do or lead the way certain people want me to lead according to their preference or style. Now, I'm not saying that to be arrogant. I'm saying that because I felt like every one of us are in this category. If you have unspoken uh, expectations of people, then what happens is you're trying to make them into your image instead of having them made in God's image. God will take care of them in your life. Then I said this, uh, God made us all unique, uh, and the fact is that you and I will never be able to please everyone. And you will always fall short in people's eyes if you're not doing things a certain way. I encourage you not to give your attention to how people think about you. Give your attention, watch this, to the Word of God and to your relationship with Jesus, and He will affirm you and bring the necessary conviction and changes needed for you to become more like Him. Does that mean that you can't address other people? Absolutely not. You address other people. You talk to other people. You, 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 you talk it out. But at the end of the day, that's all you could do, and the Holy Spirit will do the rest. He's the one who changes, all right? Now watch this. This is how I ended it. What you give your attention to, whether good or bad, gives it access to your heart and to your mind. Be free. Be who God created to be and not what other people want you to be. You have to understand, whatever you're giving your attention to, whether it's because of your weakness, whether because of your frailty, or whether because of a hurt of some sort, if you're giving a lot of attention to that, guess what's going to happen? It's going to consume your mind like a cancer. There's no worse feeling than to, to feel like, like there's something in your mind and you're trying to get it right and it's still staying there. How many of you have had a hurt in your life, in, in, in any form of your life? I think all of us. It, it's hurtful when you don't have a resolution to that. But here's my point. Give your attention to Scripture. And here's the thing that I find. Whether you like it or not, go the low road, right, and bless them. Seriously, bless them. I find myself in my, in my prayer time. Lord, I bless. And you know what that does? It tenderizes your heart to be more like Jesus. And, it, and what it does is convict you of your own selfishness. And I pray for people and I bless them. Jesus said that. Bless, bless those who persecute you. Bless those who curse you. It's not a new thing. Now look, because the fact is that we all have glaring weaknesses. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen for that? But if you're repentant and you're purpose pleasing the Lord, God will bring forth his fruit in your life. Can I hear an amen? Now let's look at David. David, remember the first scripture. Not many wise that are called. Everybody say David. Say David. Say David. <laughs> now David had a lying problem. You say, Pastor George, he had a lying problem. How do you know that? In Psalm 119, I don't have time to tell you, he said, deliver me from lying lips. Lying lips. Why would he say deliver me from lying lips if he wasn't struggling with lying? Right? He said, deliver me from lying lips. And the Bible says he, had, he, he, he lied many times. You know, when, the, when, the, when, there was a, when he was running away and the king was, a wicked king was trying to, to, to get, his, get his wife and stuff, he started acting like a madman and foaming at the mouth so that, they, so that they would think he's crazy. You know what problem David also had? Are you ready for this? He had a major lust problem. 
Because David, listen to me, listen to me. David had a lust problem. Hear me now. And he got to a place where he premeditated murder and successfully murdered an innocent man's wife, an innocent man's uh, Uriah, his wife Bathsheba, who he saw, and he, she was already married to him. He had such a lust problem that it made him uncontrollable in the sense that he actually pre-planned. That's, that's insane. He pre-planned murder, not because of rage. That's easier to understand because he got robbed. No, he had a lust problem. He said, I want her so bad, I'm going to kill her husband. And successfully did it. The prophet came. He repented before the Lord. He fasted and he prayed and he repented. He had to deal with major consequences because of that. The prophet said, because of this, the sword will never leave your family. But he repented. And you know what, you know what happened to David? Even in his glitches, God saw that. He repented and God used him. Listen to be one of the most favorable kings in all of Israel history. One of the most favorable kings in all of Israel history. And he, God used David to defeat Goliath, the arch enemy of Israel. Are you ready for this? God used David to write over two-thirds of the Psalms that we read for encouragement today. This is not my bottle of water. <laughs> two-thirds of the, of the Psalms that we Look for today. Can you give me a bottle of water? Guess what? God created David, and he saw all his flaws, yet God still chose him. Chose him. Why? Now watch this. Because God, say the Lord, say the Lord, has x-ray vision. Are you ready for this? God's choice is usually not your choice. God's way of thinking is not usually your way of thinking. Pastor George, I don't agree with that. It's not Isaiah says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. Hear me now. You know why God used David? Because he has x-ray vision. He, he's looking for one main thing, and here's what I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. The one thing, in addition to other things, that God is looking for to place people in the marketplace Place people in leadership. Place people of influence. Whatever that may be, whether in the church or the marketplace, is something that he will show you in the scripture. When he chose David, he reveals what he's looking for, not what people are looking for. And you're going to see that you will see that even the prophet was mistaken. Look at 1 Samuel. Are you getting something this morning? Look at 1 Samuel real quick. And after this, I have the worship team come up. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn over Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Now look at verse 6. So it was, when they came that the prophet, say the prophet, this is, this is one who is used to hearing the voice of the Lord with great accuracy, the prophet, Samuel, who, by the way, the Bible says that none of his words fell to the ground. So it was when they came that the prophet looked at Eliab. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. Look at me. Look at me. 
The prophet had his oil ready and when Eliab came. He said, this is the one, because he was looking at the outward perfection. He was looking at the outward things that were that was really fitting for a king. He was tall. He was built. He was the oldest one. He was the maturest one. He was the one that had most experience. So he actually, the prophet actually had the oil. He actually was, he said to himself, surely this is the one. All right. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance. Here's the key. Here's the gold right here. Do not look at his appearance or his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man or human being sees. For human beings look at outward appearance or outward skill or outward things. But the Lord looks at the heart. I don't care how wise we are or how much we know the Lord. There's one thing that you and I can never do. We can never Look at someone and know the fullness of their heart. Only God knows that. You may know part of their heart, but you will never know the fullness of people's heart. God has x-ray vision. And on the outside, Eliab was the great one. But God says, I don't look like humanity looks. I look at the heart. I'm here to tell you, if you're struggling and you're, sometimes you go, you repent, you go back and you have your, 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 your messed up ways, there is hope for you. Because in all of your weaknesses, God still sees your heart. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? He, see, he sees your heart. And I'm not going to even go forward because of the time. But the Lord, he, he, the, the Lord had Samuel go through every one, every single one of his sons. And the Lord said, no, 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 no. Finally, the, pro, the prophet said, is there not one more son in your house? said yes David he's out in the field you heard the story before he comes in and the Lord says that's the one anoint him he wasn't the logical choice can I say something he wasn't I've never said this before he wasn't the logical choice for the prophet or for the dad because the prophet was about to anoint Eliab and the dad purposely left him outside when the prophet said bring all your sons all your sons means all your sons even the ones you don't think that they're gonna use right now he his dad says his, he's too young. He's out there. To, I mean, he's not the next king of Israel. Let's get all other six of them. The prophet and the dad said, this is not the one. But God said, that's the one. I need the worship team to come up here, please. I need the worship team to come up. I feel the Holy Spirit here. Because you're not disqualified. Do you hear me? You're not disqualified. You and I have to realize that the Bible calls people, humanity, and he fixes them in the process. Can I hear an amen? He fixes them in the process. The Holy Spirit is the one that does the work, not us. The Holy Spirit is the one that changes, not us. The Holy Spirit is the one that chooses, not us. It's not the prophet. It's not even the... It, listen, I'm going to bust your bubble. It's not even your parents. Oh, man. Your parents don't choose the call of God for your life. You better preach, Pastor George. Amen. You may want your kids to do something, but how about if God wants something different that's not wired like you are wired? For years, I used to say, God, make my son, my, my, both of my sons in the ministry. And, you know, and then one time I prayed years ago, and I was like praying like if I was talking to, to a wall. And the Holy Spirit says, those are selfish prayers, even though they're good prayers. Don't ask for your son to be in the ministry. Ask him, ask of me that they follow me with all their heart. 
And whatever they ask to do, you celebrate. And you know what? One of my sons, the younger son, he's like, he's like another PG. He's just praying for people. And he's just, how are you doing? Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's, God, let PG, let, I mean, dad, he knows him called him PG. Dad, let's pray for the, the homeless man. But, but my other son, he's more into music. And, he, and he's more into, uh, into the arts. And you know what? I'm going to celebrate that. Because, listen, if you initiate the call, you have to sustain the call. And it's God who chooses. God chooses the weak things of the world. I said God chooses the weak things of the world. You have long disqualified yourself because of your glaring weaknesses. And the Holy Spirit is telling you, don't let that be an excuse for not diving in into the kingdom. Not diving into your purpose. Not diving in to the marketplace where the lawyer or the doctor or, 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 the, or the, the whatever it is, the, the, the leader, the, the, the preacher, the... the the arts person, don't disqualify yourself. But can I be gentle and kind and tell you, don't disqualify others either. Please, please don't disqualify others just because you see glaring weaknesses in them. Because I just gone through a list of people that did great things for God and they had glaring weaknesses, yet people still received from them because the Holy Spirit has the final say. Can I hear an amen? Come on, can I hear an amen? Yes, yes, I'm weak. Yes, you're weak. Yes, I do stupid things. Yes, I'm, I don't have it all together. Yes, you don't have it all together. Yes, I, I say things that I shouldn't say. So do you. But we're a work in progress. We're a work in progress. And it's not for you to disqualify someone because they're not at your level. Hello? You can't disqualify someone because you're not at, 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 at you, <laughs> they're not at your level. Listen. We're still growing. We're, I said we're still growing. Listen, I'm not where I should be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. Even as a leader, I'm not the same leader I was a year ago. I've learned a few things since planting this church. Things of humility, things of conflict, things of hurt. But I've, I'm growing and so are you. I said, so are you. The day that you stop growing is the day that God, the, the day you feel that you stop growing will the day you, you'll start sucking those things out that don't make sense and start putting your attention on other things. Why? Because we're always growing. Until we get to heaven, we will constantly be growing in our character constantly need adjustment in our life come on say amen you and i will constantly be in a position of things if god could use these people with all their shenanigans god will you can use you with all your shenanigans the church has become so judgmental without knowing i don't think we do it on purpose i just think we say we compare ourselves with other people's maturity and listen we're all in this club, so might as well join. Hey, join the club. Club dysfunctional. Club I don't got it together. Club insecure. Club I'm working on me. Be patient with me. Club I'm a work in progress. You and I are in that club. It's time, it's time to take expectations off of people, look to the Lord, and stop putting your attention on people's flaws, and put the attention on the perfect one. He's the perfect one. 
You have to understand or else I'm telling you, you will not operate in your calling. I know. I have felt it. I have felt pressure in my spirit and in my heart to try to fit what people want me to be. And I finally said, I can't do that. That doesn't mean you change. Please don't miss. That doesn't mean you tweak things in your life. But you have to celebrate the way that God created you to be. Can I hear an amen? Now I'm closing with this. The last person I'm going to say is the person that wrote Corinthians. Is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote Corinthians. The Apostle Paul wrote, many are, not many are, are, are wise, but God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the wise. Paul was a murderer. He murdered Christians, and he thought that he was doing the right thing. Isn't it funny how sometimes we're doing God's work thinking we're doing the right thing? He thought he was doing the right thing by murdering Christians. I got your back, God. I'm destroying all these religious fanatics here. And God's like, no, you're the wrong one. He's killing Christians. And he was a, and this is tough, he was a Pharisee. You know what that means? He knew the law. He knew, he knew the scripture. Sometimes the hardest people to deal with are people that know the word or, or, or have a, a religious thing. God loves you too. God loves me too. But Paul was one of these people. Paul was one of the people that said, you know what? I'm going to murder Christians, and I know the law better than you. The Bible, he called himself a Pharisee of Pharisees in one, in one of the scriptures. Am I not right? But yet Paul, in all his weakness, God still saw that and said, I'm going to use this young man with all his zeal to write one-third, over one-third of the New Testament under the inspiration, the Bible, New Testament, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to use him. Yeah, that him. That murderer him. That religious him. Come on, church, you're not saying amen. This is all part, we are all part of this game. Paul the Apostle had a great gift, but he must have felt unqualified. Hear me now, I'm, I'm going I'm to close with this. This is powerful, I want you to hear me. Because he felt he had to defend his credentials. Paul felt he had to defend himself because he saw glaring weaknesses in him. Watch this. He began to be transparent in his writings about how people received his preaching versus his writing. You hear me? People started comparing his, his, his writing skills with his lack of preaching skills, and it bothered him. So he felt like he needed to address it in Scripture. He, look at in 1 Corinthians. Sorry, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, sorry. Uh, verse 10. NIV. Are you getting something this morning? 2 Corinthians 10. Watch this. Look at what Paul says, NIV. For some say, he's talking about, he's, look, look how he's trying to defend himself. Some say, his letters are weighty and forceful. But in person, he's unimpressive. And, and, and watch, and his speaking amounts to nothing. Why would you say something unless you're not dealing with it? Sometimes in life, the more we deal so about something, the more we talk about something. That just went over your head. For some say, his letters are weighty. In other words, he hides behind his writing. But in person, he's a little wimp. He, he don't have good preaching skills. Now watch this. He, he, he felt unworthy, and I'm going to close here in three minutes here unskilled, untrained, 
And if you can tell, Paul was wrestling with this because in the very next chapter, the very next chapter, you know what he says? Look at the next chapter. Look at the next chapter. Put that next chapter up. In chapter 11, verse 5 through 6, I do not think I'm like the least inferior of these super apostles. I'm, watch this, watch this, watch this. Look at me. I may be untrained as a speaker, but I do have knowledge. Do you see this? Do you see? Let, let, let's de, let's de super, let's de super uh, humanize him. Let's, let's really look at the human Paul. Hey, you're right. I'm untrained as a speaker. I'm not, I'm not as good as Apollos because he, Apollos, if you look at Apollos, Apollos was an excellent orator. And everyone used to compare Apollos to Paul all the time. They would compare Apollos and Paul. Some Paul and Apollos. Now, Apollos, according to history, was an excellent speaker. Watch this, watch this. He was an excellent speaker. Yet people compared him all the time to Apollos. You know what? And he finally said, all right. He was considered excellent. Paul's weakness in his preaching, are you ready for this? I'm closing. Gave an opportunity for a strength in another area to arise. It was because he couldn't write, sorry, it was because he couldn't preach like Apollos that he wrote like Paul. Why is it that we get this? I want everyone to stand up. I want everyone to stand up. Because God is not disqualifying you. Paul's weakness in preaching became an opportunity for strength to arise in another area. We got to come to the conclusion that all of us in this room have weaknesses. Listen to me, guys. All of us in this room have flaws. But that does not disqualify you from being in the position that he wants you to be in. Paul got this revelation when he was beginning. Now watch this. I'm going to say the best for last and then we're going to pray. When he was wrestling with a thorn in his side, you know the story. He said, God, take this thorn away from me. Jesus responded, my grace is sufficient for you. But then he had a revelation. Look at that last scripture, 1 Corinthians. The, the, the very next verse is chapters 10, 11, and 12. He's struggling with these things. And now he's asking God, Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm filled with weaknesses. Lord, I, it's glaring weaknesses that people see in my leadership. Now look, he says, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. His weakness in preaching gave his opportunity for strength in his writing to arise. How many scriptures can you quote that Apollos wrote? But you could quote many that Paul wrote. Why? Because even though he wanted to be a good preacher, he didn't, he didn't look and dwell upon his weakness. He went to a corner and said, I'm going to let my strength arise. And he began to write. I wonder if we would have 1 Corinthians if he didn't have that strength arise in him. I wonder if we would have Philippians. I wonder if we would have Romans if he didn't pick up a pen and start doing his real gifting. Because he was not comparing himself to the greatest preacher of that day, which was Apollos. The Lord says you're not disqualified. Come on, lift up your hands right now. We're going to worship the Lord. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.